Welcome to, or welcome back to, the Journey Through Life podcast. This is Justin Barton, the host of said podcast, and I'm super excited about this week's episode. This is with a fantastic woman that I met, oh, about not quite a year ago, doing some nonprofit work. I was, my wife and I were volunteering and helping gather some uh, goods and uh, some money for the Sleep in Heavenly Peace chapter here in Spokane. And Jan Spackman is the um, chair there at Sleep in Heavenly Peace. And so I met with her then at that time. And I also decided later on that uh, my family and I would go and help do a couple of deliveries and setups of these really cool products that Sleep in Heavenly Peace does. They are handmade bunk beds for kids who otherwise don't have beds, don't have places to sleep. And it's become a quite an important issue in my own life, in my own heart, to work with um, them and seek ways that I and my family and others around me can help make a difference for people who, for whatever reasons, are in places where their kids are not able to sleep on a bed. And as we discuss in this conversation later on, there are some insights that I gained from this conversation that really opened my eyes a little bit further to the importance of this. Anyways, I'm really excited about this episode with Jan Spackman. I think that you will gain some good um, insights, not only into nonprofit work, into charity work, but into life, into family, into lots of important things. I love the title that we came up with because of the conversation we had. The title is Don't Do Stupid Things. I love it, and I think it'll jump out at you as you listen. Anyways, before we get started on that conversation with Jan, need to do a little housekeeping here. First of all, if you have not already subscribed to the Journey Through Life podcast, just scroll down on your podcast app that you're listening to right now and hit subscribe. It's that easy. And then you'll be notified automatically of all of the weekly episodes that come out. Also, uh, come check us out at our face, Facebook page, Journey Through Life. Um, like us, follow us there. Uh, we're also on Instagram. I'm not as good at keeping Instagram up and active as I am with Facebook, but I need to be better at that. But follow us there, like us there. And then check out our website. Um, I'm doing a lot of work there on the website, and I'm really excited about some of the things we've got there. I've archived all of the old Journey Through Life podcast episodes there. Um, got some, a blog where you can make comments if you choose to. There's places where you can also just um, volunteer as a future victim of the Journey Through Life podcast and have a conversation with me. Or you can introduce me to somebody else who you think would have a fantastic story to tell and to share with you and with others. Anyways, go to that. It's jtlpod.com. Really easy, uh, six-character website, jtlpod.com. Super easy to do. I'm really grateful for that. Now, for our partners. Um, I'm super grateful for the relationship we have with a great company that fits perfectly with the theme of the Journey Through Life podcast. A Life Untold is a company that helps absolutely anyone turn their life story into a beautifully designed hardbook cover. Their process is designed to be easy for everyone. 
All you do is complete an interview with thought-provoking questions about your life. You can either do that online or get one of their biography biographers to interview you live over the phone. After the interview is complete, A Life Untold takes over and designs, prints, and delivers your life story as a hardcover book to your door. It makes a great gift to a loved one in your life or will be a great project to do on your own. Either way, this life story bound in a printed book is something your family will treasure for generations. And I'm super grateful to announce that listeners of the Journey Through Life podcast will save 10% on all orders by using the code JUSTIN at checkout. That's J-U-S-T-I-N at checkout. And you can find all of the details on their website at www.alifeuntold.com. Now remember to use the promo code JUSTIN when checking out to save 10%. Now, once you get that hardbound book and you combine it with other heirlooms or other important items from your life and from the lives of those who have gone on before you, where are you going to put it? I'll tell you where I'm going to put the one I get from my mom when she's done with it. I'm going to put it on my beautiful, stylish, and modern solid walnut floating shelf that I will be installing on my wall later this week. If you have never seen a floating shelf, you need to go and check it out at shepherdbrackets.com. That's S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D brackets dot com. And then check out the revolutionary design that Shepherd Brackets invented and manufactures right here in the USA with high-quality, heavy-duty materials. Shepherd Brackets has teamed up with R&T Home Decor to make floating shelf kits that are come complete with a solid walnut, alder, white oak, or poplar shelf that has been drilled, routed, and finished to fit perfectly with the Shepherd Bracket of the same size. It really is a beautiful product and a beautiful partnership. And now the Journey Through Life podcast has teamed up with them to give you, the listener, a great deal on a very high-quality product that will beautify your home or office and stand the test of time. Go to shepherdbrackets.com, check out the shelf kits, and then use promo code JTLPOD5 at checkout to save 5% on your order. Once again, that's JTLPOD5 at checkout to save 5% on your order at shepherdbrackets.com. Now, on to this conversation with Jan Spackman. I'm excited to get into this, and I'm also excited for the In Their Own Words segment at the end of this program. Stick around to hear that. All right, here we go. I'm really excited to sit down with you about this. I mean, our paths crossed... It was towards the end of last year, I think. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across, well, I saw on uh, Returning the Favor, my, mm-hmm. was something that Mike Rowe did about uh, Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Right. I thought, wow, that is such a cool idea. I, I, I looked into it for Spokane to see if it was something that uh, I might have time or, or availability to do, and I saw that it was already here, and I was like, sweet. I'm going to reach out and see what we can do. Off the hook. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. But what I want to do first is get to know Jan. Where did you come from? What What are some of the first memories that kind of shaped you? Tell me a little bit about uh, that. Wow. So um, I'm originally from southern Idaho, Burley, Idaho. Oh. Um, small town. Yes. And, uh, you know, agriculture community. Um, grew up, uh, my grandparents lived in the same town. And I really have fond memories of my grandmother, and I spent a lot of time with her, and I believe that um, my relationship with her really uh, did a lot to 
shape maybe who I am today and establish my my values and perhaps try to be a better person because of her and and some of the you know things that she taught me along the way. I mean, I, I was raised by my parents, you know, mm-hmm, right, um, right. and uh, I'm very fond of them as well. <laughs> but my grandma was really, I think, um, a huge influencer in my life. She's the first person that comes to my mind when I think of, of those kinds of things. So what kinds of things did you do together with your grandmother that, uh, that, that made this impression on you? Yeah, uh, one of my fondest memories is, you know, she taught me how to make bread. Uh, you know, rolls and, and homemade bread, and she always had a big garden, and she had raspberry bushes, and we would pick raspberries. This is one of my favorite memories of her, and spending time with her, but we'd pick raspberries and bake bread and have, you know, the fresh bread and the raspberries, and that's one of my very fondest memories of her. She and my grandfather were also involved in score dancing, and so I kind of grew up around that a little bit, and I had my, my skirt at, at her house, it was one of her old skirts, right. and um, you know my petticoat, and we'd have to pin it all up, and you know I'd go over and you know flutter around in that in that skirt, and I don't know how long I've had it. I ended up with that skirt. It had been torn apart, broken down, but I still have had that. And one of these days, I and mean, like I said, I probably had it for God, 20 years maybe now. I, mm. I want to make a quilt out of that skirt, and actually, I, I wanted it to be something that she and I did together. But she passed away uh, two years ago, oh. uh, and so anyway, that's uh, it's it's in a box. I ran across it as we've been packing up our house, mm. and uh, so I know I still have it, and I I want to get that done one of these days. It just means means the world to me. Well, that's really neat. So, do you continue to make bread every once in a while, or square dance, or anything like that? No square dancing. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I don't know if I, it might be something that I might be interested in. I, I don't know. I haven't had the opportunity. I'm sure there's opportunities around here, but I haven't really investigated that. But yes, bread. Uh, it's I make uh, homemade rolls for the holidays, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and Christmas, and and it's become a bit of a tradition in in our house you know, here too that my kids are interested in. Two of my kids just absolutely, well, all my kids love to eat them, mm-hmm. um, but uh, two are, are very, very, you know, fond of, of that, and then uh, I've got another one that actually has started helping, and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of fun. That is fun, mm-hmm. just kind of passing that, passing yeah. that tradition on, yeah. huh? Yes, Very indeed. neat. So, so you and I have something in common there. My grandfather was born and raised in Hatch, Idaho. Oh, okay. Right by Berlin. Right, just, right, you know, not too far away there. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Small. You know, just kind of south southeastern Idaho uh-huh. uh, people there, and and I remember when I was I was a young teenager, probably fourteen years old or so. We went back to see my grandfather's house where he was born in, and you know mm-hmm. it was basically a ghost oh, town area right, at that right. point. You know, mm-hmm. and that uh, the house wasn't there, but the foundation was there yeah. and everything, and um, that was uh, a really cool experience. There, there's some sort of draw. I don't. I would never live in that area. Yeah. But every time I go there, I'm like, huh, my people are from here. This is where I'm from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, really cool. So you said you grew up there. So I did, yeah. Yeah. So what were some of the things in the Burley area that as you look back, you go, that is something that helped bring me to where I am today? Oh, wow. Um, again, probably spending time with my grandparents. We I, we would do we did a lot of fishing, a lot of camping. Uh, we used to go to Hepkin Lake in Montana every year over the Fourth of July. All of the all of my grandparents' kids, and then all of us grandkids, and we'd spend a week there. 
um, growing up for, for a while with my cousins close too. The, two of the families moved away to Utah and to California, mm -hmm. so we kind of all got, you know, just after a while. But um, having those bonds with my cousins and now watching, uh, I'm one of the older ones, mm -hmm. so my kids are older, but watching my cousins' families now, you know, spend time together and those cousins, you know, uh, their families doing that stuff, it just, I reminisce about the time that I had to spend with, with them. And how special that was and how great it is that, you know, those kids are, t are together mm -hmm. getting to spend time with their cousins. Right, and, right. And I think, I think that was really um, special to me. Uh, we had big holidays. There were 18 grandkids oh. all together, and my grandparents lived in, it wasn't a huge house, but it, it, was, it was big enough. The, the dining room and living room made this big L, mm -hmm. and we would have tables that lined that L, and everybody you know, was in that house, uh, 18 grandkids and 12 adults, mm, 12, so 14 adults. So quite a, yeah. quite a big, you know, group. And, and those were some of my favorite times, mm. you know, as well. And my grandmother, you know, cooking that meal and me getting to set the table, help with that. I can mm. still, you know, they talk about how smell is the strongest sense tied to memory. Mm -hmm. And, and I can still, smell you know, her uh, silverware box mm. the, the where the silver was you know just yeah. opening that and you know setting that stuff out and you know for so many people and when she passed um, of course one of my aunts her daughter got the silver but I ended up with her curio cabinet mm. and and that's just you know that was the next best thing for me is yeah. you know because the china and the silver were stored in there yeah. and you know I just I see that and I think about these big holidays mm. and so it's really important for me now as an adult with my five children and I've got a grandkid of two now to try and have those holidays mm. and just be together with with my family mm. so you mentioned you were one of the older grandkids is yes that Yes. So did you have cousins your own age that you really got along with pretty well? I did. I did. There was one. I, I was the second grandchild, first girl, oh, okay. and, uh, and my grandma's favorite. And everybody everybody will tell you that in our family, <laughs> too. No, so I, it's a little self-proclaimed, but yeah, there's a little bit of truth to it, too. Anyway, uh -huh. but um, so there was one older. And then the next ones, there was like three others born a couple years later. And then uh, three or four more, you know, they kind of went staggered out. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I want to say the next one behind me might be two or three years behind me. So probably within, you know, there was a good group of us within a four or five year cluster. So, and right. then, you know, the little ones, mm -hmm. we just, you know, we had all these babies, you right, know, around right. too. That was, that was always fun. And, uh, you know, the very last one gosh, she's, she's probably 15 years younger than me, mm. I think. You know, we know each other, right. which, which, is, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we didn't get to spend the time together that, you know, the older cluster did, but, you know, we still, the younger ones, you know, still are very aware of the older ones, and, you know, we remain in touch yeah. as we're all scattered across the country now. Scattered all over the mm -hmm. place now. It's, yeah. It's, that seems pretty typical now that families who used to, you know, stay within a fairly tight geographic area, even, you know, cousins, mm -hmm. they'd stick around within a fairly tight area. And now with 
the way life is. It is. Like, we're we're all over the place. I'm all over the place. I'm now a thousand miles from my closest family member. Oh. You know, so got to be gut-wrenching sometimes <laughs> sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, it is. I'm seven hours away from from my kids so, mm. you know uh, my family's still in, in Boise and in Burley and mm. I've got one kiddo in Las Vegas but mm. my grandbaby is in Boise and uh, three of my kids and, and it's that's tough sometimes yeah to be that I can't imagine being a thousand miles away <laughs> well yeah it, it's it's been good for our family yeah but it is very um, difficult sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, around the holidays, around, right. you know, other important days that, that typically get together as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no Sunday dinners at Grandma's right. house anymore or anything like that. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit tough. Right. But overall, we've really been able to... Make it work. The kids have done great. Oh, that's and awesome. Continuing to do great. And, I know. They, they do, right? that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Everybody does seem to be fine, but, it, you mm-hmm. know, I still... Oh, I... I ache to have those Sunday dinners. Yes, you know, with yes. my kids and grandkids. So, as you think back to your family home when you were a kid, tell me about the room in that home that brings you back to being a kid, and what happened. And some of the favorite memories you had in that home, oh, wow. in that room. I guess the kitchen um, mm-hmm. that that seems to be the anchor everywhere. Although we lived in one house until I was. I think 14. In that house, it probably, it, it was definitely the kitchen, you know, we had our birthday parties there, you know, and all of the family would come over and had a lot of, you know, we, my mom was really good at, uh, you know, fixing dinner every night, um, something I lack, mm-hmm. <laughs> I lack in, I'm so terrible at that, I would like to be better, but anyway, she was really good at doing that, and so, and that was important that we did, you know, dinner every night. And just had that, that time around the table. Uh, I have one sibling, uh, a brother, and who's four and a half years younger than me. And you know, we we just we were just always anchored there at the table for you know a while every night. And uh, you know, some of, one of my worst memories, yeah. which I grew up, you know, we fished. My mother's brother fished on the Washington coast, you know, would send fresh seafood, you know, all the time. And I hate fish and seafood mm. and wild game. Okay. And my mom, they, they'd have fish fries and, okay. you know, I'd have to sit there and, you know, try to gag it down. And mm-hmm. I just, just don't, don't like it. So I, I remember a lot of nights, you know, sitting at that table and, you know, trying to wait that out and mm. then having to do dishes and, you know, a little bit of punishment and, Yeah. All of that, but anyway, it, you eat this fish, or you're going to do the dishes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I would just so much rather, yes, do dishes than eat fish. Yeah, hmm. seafood and, and that. So it was terrible. Yeah. You know, I grew up with fresh, really, really good stuff to have, mm-hmm. and and it just it just never settled with me. Settled. You know, uh, uh-uh. uh no. Even to this to this day, we were just in New Orleans a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, with my brother and a childhood friend. Uh, for her 50th birthday, we went on that trip, and so there's a ton of seafood down there, and, mm-hmm. and I did. I I tasted some, but I oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> gag it down. I'm like, I, why am I doing this? I'm 52 years old. I don't have to do don't this have anymore. Have to eat things you don't like anymore. <laughs> right. huh? Nobody's threatening right. you with doing the dishes anymore. Right. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so, funny. You know, and then in the second home that we lived in, I re- I remember, you know, watching TV with my dad in the family room. We had a house that was 
that had, you know, the living room, kitchen and all that, and then an actual family room. And, you know, I remember, yeah, watching TV with him, watching um, football. Mm -hmm. I became kind of a little football fan. Uh -huh. And, you know, he and I would have our silly little bets on Monday night. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm. So, so you talked about baking bread, you know, rolls and stuff for the holidays as being kind of a tradition that you've carried forward into your own family. What other traditions have you carried forward from your youth into the family, into your family now? Or maybe what are some that you haven't carried forward that you, you know, <laughs> so, uh, I'm not doing that with my family. Right. I haven't extended the camping tradition. We, mm -hmm. we camped a lot and right. I really enjoyed it as a kid. But as an adult, I don't. I don't. It just all the prep, you know, getting ready to go, loading the camper, getting home, unloading all the work after, mm -hmm. and that, you know, and I feel like sometimes maybe I did a little bit of a disservice to my mm -hmm. children by not, you know, sharing those camping moments because it, it was really... Uh, it was really great, you know, mm. uh, growing up and having those experiences and seeing these other places and, you know, just being river rats mm. uh, where we go because we, oh, we had boats all the time. So, you know, wherever we went, usually it was on a river or a lake. And, you know, I grew up water skiing. That was awesome and, mm -hmm. and did not have any desire to uh, continue that, you know, with my children because mm. of all the work kind of that was involved. And I really have a new appreciation for my parents for doing that for one thing right. you know I was just like yeah no but you know could mm -hmm. I have you know shared something special with my kids yeah mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't but, um, so what special things have you shared with your kids though? Um, you know we got into skiing or I've been a skier for a long time and so is that water um, skiing or snow skiing snow skiing mm -hmm. snow mm -hmm. yes and so I was really good about that with my two older kids but mm -hmm. when the third one came that kind of fell off. I think the more kids you, you, you know, kind of start accumulating, and I have five of them, uh, the less you kind of you know, stop mm -hmm. doing, it just gets a little more challenging finding sitters or you know, towing everybody around mm -hmm. and, and that too. And, right. and then you know, the age gap with them, the older ones you know, get older and you've still got the little ones and it just it doesn't all flow right, right. Uh, that way. So the older ones, you know, we did water skiing. Um, uh, the, the younger ones, too, you know, I have a special needs kiddo, okay. um, my only girl. I've got four boys and one girl. She's just a precious part of my life. Um, really blessed by her. Um, she's a ton of work yeah. sometimes. Uh, well, okay, a lot of times. But, you know, she is who she is, and we just, you know, it's... I just think she fits perfectly, mm. you know, into the chaos, which is our life. But... Having her, I think, or maybe I allowed it to limit us okay. as far as doing things because it did become difficult to find, you know, a caregiver to, to watch after her. It's, it's difficult to take her with us, you know, and she can't go skiing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just not, well, I guess I, I shouldn't say no. I mean, who knows? You know, right. I taught her to ride a bike, you know, here when we, when we got here six years ago at school, she was riding a bike. And I was like, oh, awesome. what's up with that? Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So... Anyway, there's a there's a few things that you know have held us or that held back from from mm -hmm. doing just because of logistics and you know whatever that it just didn't right. work. Right. So tell me about your daughter. Tell me. So tell me diagnosis. Tell me some of the symptoms and tell me what. Uh, we'll go to that point and then we'll go from there. Okay. Sure. Okay. 
Um, she has a ring chromosome. Um, her official diagnosis is ring 22. So it's a 22nd chromosome. And so your chromosomes kind of look like worms. They've got lines in them. And they, they call them breakpoints. Uh, and the farther out the breakpoint is, the less damage that there is. All things considered, they're fairly far out, but she's still, um, she's, she'll be 20 next month. She's nonverbal. Um, she's got incontinence issues, so, and, and that's just never going to go away. But she's very much, you know, aware of, like, her surroundings. She's very mobile. She's, you know, she functions at her pace. There's, there's a lot of things, you know, that she can figure out. And, you know, it's really awesome when she figures things out, but then yeah. you're like, oh, now we've got this, you know, issue. Uh-huh. Um, too. <laughs> I mean, it can, be, it can be for good or bad. Right. Um, but, you know, she, she's just, she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's her diagnosis. We, uh, about, at about six months of age, she wasn't meeting normal milestones. So her pediatrician said, you know, let's get her some physical therapy so we can catch her up and da, da, da. And so as that progressed, you know, it's still, she's, she's not doing this, she's not doing that. And uh, so then we start seeing some specialists mm-hmm. and, you know, a, a pediatric neurologist. And we saw him twice. And the first time we saw him, I remember him telling me there's nothing wrong with her. She looks too normal. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you know, because like how kiddos with like Down syndrome or, you know, a lot of disabilities, they mm-hmm. have, you know. Some look, features. Some yeah. features mm-hmm. that, that, that aren't, you know not typical and right. she she does she looks completely typical mm-hmm. you know I, I was really excited about that at first and but as we're leaving the, the office I'm like no he's wrong he's he's wrong mm-hmm. um, you notice that intuition so you know, I started seeing some more folks and saw him again and he's like nope she's just lazy we need mm-hmm. to just get her caught up you know mm-hmm. so let's you know have some more let's have some speech therapy let's mm-hmm. do more physical therapy just do OT and and none of it you know, it wasn't none really. of it was was working. So we're finally, she, she was a year and a half old, and we got connected with a geneticist from the University of Oregon, and they ordered some testing, and uh, they did what's called a fish test, and I don't, it's an acronym for something. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and I, uh, there's a time I could have told you, but not, <laughs> not now. Anyway, so. They did that, and and they discovered that that's what it was. And he called me. You, as a mother, you go through, you know, all of these. What I do when she was pregnant? Did I eat too many Eskimo pies? Mm. You know, you beat yourself <laughs> up. You know, too much sugar. Right, what right. did I, you know? And I had really healthy pregnancies. So, anyhow, he's like, "There's nothing you could have done, mm. you know, to prevent it." They don't know whether it happens at conception or right. while everything's, you know, developing. It's just something that happens, and mm-hmm. at the time, it was pretty rare. Um, I don't think there was like 300 diagnosed cases oh, wow. at the time. Mm-hmm. So the sucky thing about that is, you know, you're trying to, okay, well, what can I do? What is this? What, 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 what? Mm-hmm. Well, there's not a lot documented on it. Right. So, you know, you're coming up. You're kind I, of the guinea pig, huh? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, entirely. Yeah. So, and it's still... People that I've met, you know, at school or, uh, you know, I did some training down at the ARC here a few weeks ago. You mm-hmm. know, nobody's heard of it still. Mm-hmm. So it's still pretty, pretty rare. rare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, this is my opinion, is that um, at the time, the technology was fairly new to test yeah. for it and fairly expensive. Yeah. Um, we just had another baby 
they're 17 months apart, so when they wanted to do all this testing, all our deductibles were met, and we're like, go, yes, let's run, let's let's do this right now, and figure it out, so that, that was nice. So I think that probably a lot of just general mental retardation mm -hmm. diagnosis, you know, could have been, you know, this, it's just, right. you know, nobody knew. She functions at maybe like a three-year-old, okay. you know, level. She knows what she wants and she mm -hmm. knows how to kind of get her needs and, and wants right. met. Mm -hmm. We, she'll, you know, drag us around. She drinks out of sippy cups. She knows mm -hmm. where her sippy cup drawer is in the house and she'll right. get one out if she wants a drink. Right, right. Um, bananas and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are her favorite. She'll get the bread. She knows where we keep the bananas. There's, right. you know, so... As far as communicating goes, you know, we, we call it Carson speak, and we just kind of yeah. have our way to, to get around that. Yeah. So take me back to when the first inkling that something's not right here. You mentioned, hey, what did I do in pregnancy? Did I eat too many Eskimo yeah. pies or whatever? <laughs> Let's not talk about the regret, but or what were your thoughts when the realization of this is going to be something that, that I'm going to be dealing with? You know, her whole life or my whole life, whatever comes first. In, indeed, yeah. Indeed. And what were your thoughts when that happened? Um, a part of me, you know, when when we found got the diagnosis, um, there were so many things that that kind of got sucked away from me at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, no dance lessons, mm -hmm. no gymnastics, no wedding. Yeah. You know, uh, because it, it, if she were to reproduce, she would pass what she has directly. Mm -hmm. So that you know, right, can't. Right. But she's she's not really capable of a relationship either, right, right. you know, in, in that regard. So, you know, we learned as we as we went, but there there was there was just a lot of it that was you know, sucked away, and a bit of a mourning period, I think. I think as far mm -hmm. as that goes, but then you know you kind of get over it, and, and you do start seeing little accomplishments, little little feats, and and you learn to accept. Okay, this is my life, and she. She will be with me as long as I am capable of caring for her, and right. uh, because I am very adamant about not putting her in a home, mm. it just scares me to death. I'm sure right. there's good ones, but yeah. there's you know the you read the bad stories and like nope. As long as I can, you know, manage this, um, I'm I'm going to. Yeah. And then maybe when I can't, maybe she and I can get you know a, a group discount in a home together, <laughs> and I can still oversee her. <laughs> so there you go. How? So, and I don't know what your faith is, what your belief in a God is, but did you ever, like, shake your fist at heaven and say, what in the world? Why would you do this to me, God? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, um, I do have a religious affiliation. I am not, I'm not active okay. in it. But I do believe that mm -hmm. there is, you know, a God mm -hmm. um, very, very much and that there are reasons that, mm -hmm. that things happen. And, and I do believe that there's a specific reason that, you know, she's been given to us yeah. to care for. I still don't know what that is, but, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I do sometimes obsess over it, even now, a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, going, why? So, I, I mean, I guess, I guess there's a reason, and I just need to accept that there's a reason, and this is my life, and, and it can be a struggle sometimes, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, as I try and put myself in your shoes uh, in that, uh, that what you said, you know, I guess I just need to accept and em embrace maybe mm -hmm. what's mm -hmm. happening. Right. 
when do you think, I mean, has there been that moment in your life where you're like, all right, well, let's have fun with this. Let's yeah. This. So a, tell me about that, the first moment like that that you recall. Oh, you know, when she was learning to walk, so she and her younger brother are 17 months apart, and I'm very much pregnant with him, and she's not walking, and with the physical therapist is working, you know, with her, and, you know, I... I need her to be a little more mobile. Um, all my babies have been C-section, mm -hmm. and so getting, you know, there's some downtime with that afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it didn't happen before I had her younger brother, but it happened shortly thereafter. And all of the kids were there, and uh, she had this little, you know, the little push carts, mm -hmm. and so she's learning to she can climb up, and she's you know pushing that, mm -hmm. and and I can just see it right now, um, the day she let go. And all of us were there, and we were just cheering her on, and she, like, looked at everybody, and she's just beaming, mm. beaming. She knew she'd accomplished something, yeah. and it was just the most special moment for all of us, and, and that was, you know, one of those, okay, this can be really cool moments, and, you know, all right, so what's next? What's our next obstacle or yeah. challenge, and how are we going to overcome it? And it is kind of cool when when these challenges do present themselves to be I, I like figuring things out mm -hmm. and and figuring out how to how to make this work yeah. so what is the last time that she had that hey i did this and i had this you know <laughs> pro progress and i i've done something really cool uh she's a stinker she <laughs> she loves car rides mm -hmm. okay it's one of her favorite things, listening to music and being in the car. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll drive to Boise and we'll get out and she's, like, ready to turn around and get back in. I'm like, we've been in the car for seven hours. Come on. No, it's my happy place. Mm -hmm. So a lot. sometimes when she gets a little too overzealous and rambunctious around the house, I mean, she'll just be running around bouncing off the walls. In the summertime, it's kind of hard on her because she's not going to school. Right. Uh, we don't have that break. So we'll uh, go put her in, in the car in the garage. And we've got a radio out there so the car doesn't have to be on. Right. Um, and then we leave the garage door to the house open so mm -hmm. we can hear her. You know, we can, you know, we just pop out. We've got the windows rolled down in mm -hmm. the car and, right. and it's not hot. If it was too hot, I wouldn't put her out there. Right, okay? right. So I don't <laughs> you don't yeah. need to, yeah. I, I know, but people listening people might be here. going, ah, She's what's she doing? Right, that? exactly. No, no, really. Her, her best interest is always. And it's something that makes her happy. Mm -hmm. And so... So she would sit out there, you know, for, for a while at a time, and she'd just be happy. And so we have child-locked the, the back doors mm -hmm. on the car because while we're driving down the road at 80 miles an hour, sometimes she'll try and open it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a big safety right, issue. Right. So we, we child-locked them. So we've got our child locked, you know, in, and we go out to, we'll open the door mm -hmm. for her to see if she's ready to come back in, and she'll right. get out if she is, and she'll shut the door if she's not. Right, right. So, I don't know, maybe one day if she was ready before, before I don't know, before we went out right. to check on her, well, here she comes running in the house. And I'm like, what the heck? How, how did you get out? Uh -huh. You know? Well, she figured out she can climb over the console and get out the front doors because those don't child lock. Right. So, yes. And uh, she's just got this big smile on her face like, huh? Guess what, guys? <laughs> Guess what I figured out? I'm free. So, yeah. So, yeah. we, we seatbelt her. We, we, mm. we put, put the seatbelt on, uh -huh. you know? Well, she's learned to wiggle out of that. <laughs> and she can wiggle out. For, and, and it's funny to watch, you mm -hmm. know? I've stood out there lately... 
because I do. I want to. I just want to watch it. Yeah. And stuff. And she just, you know, wriggles out of it, and she zips herself over the front, just boom, 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 and I'm out. <laughs> and then she'll come in, and mm-hmm. she'll get you by the hand because uh-huh. she shut the door. Oh. She can't figure out how to. She can't open the doors from the outside uh-huh. yet. Uh-huh. So she comes in after she escapes, grabs you. <laughs> And takes you back takes out back. to open the door for her so she can get back, get in. back in. And so we go round and round and round and round. And round. But anyway. <laughs> no, that's yeah, fun. It is. It's, it's fun to watch her figure things out. But, you know, then you're like, I can't spend my whole day, you know, circling you around the car. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I have some things I need to do. Anyway, yeah. So where does she fall in your kids? She, She's fourth. Fourth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yes. there's just the one after her that was mm-hmm. born the 17, 18 months after. Yes. yes. That, that means, are you guys empty nesters other than her? Other than yeah. her, yes, yes, we are. The youngest just graduated high school wow. in June, and he has gone to Boise. Um, wow. He's worked at a golf course down there for the wow. last two years, and then this year, so he had a job. Uh-huh. Um, his dad lives down there, okay. so he's uh, down there. Although he uh, just decided, you know, I'm 18 and I'm an adult, and he moved in with my second old or my second son mm-hmm. so Jason and Jackson live together now and which you know which is which is you think it's good. a good thing I do I kind of wanted to see him spend a little more time with his dad before uh-huh. he made that that move but but they're still far, nearby right? yes uh-huh. yeah dad uh, dad lives in Nampa uh, okay. Jason and Jackson live in in Boise so okay. yeah, yeah, just yeah he sees dad all the time and yeah. um, they, they chat but anyway that was just kind of my wish but um, you know you're 18 and yeah. He doesn't have any desire to go to school right now, and, and so, okay, uh, I hope his gap year doesn't turn into, you know, okay. I hope it is right. just a, a gap year. Um, yes. So, anyway. Well, very good. No, that, that that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those things about yeah. your family, your daughter. So, so let's go uh, forward a little bit. What are some things that brought you to where I connected with you through Sleep in Heavenly Peace? Why did you get into this this area of non-profit work. Tell a little bit about Sleep in Heavenly Peace first, I guess. Yeah, Right. It originated in Kimberly, Idaho, which is 30 miles away from Burley, Mm -hmm. uh, just coincidentally, in 2012. Um, Luke Mickelson is the founder, and there was a family in his congregation that he learned about that uh, the kids didn't didn't have a bed. And he thought, well, how can that be? Mm -hmm. And, And it is. It's a simple thing that we all take for granted. And I had no idea until I found out either. So I worked for an automotive group as a recruiter, and one of my coworkers was childhood friends with Luke and Kimberly. And so just one of those Monday morning conversations, hey, Jan, guess what I did you know, over the weekend? Because uh, Jordan, my friend Jordan, had gone to help Luke uh, build some beds. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of sprouted, uh, turned into... That same year, uh, around Christmas time, Luke's kiddos were kind of complaining about what they didn't get for Christmas. It's a really sweet story. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you guys, it, it's, it's not about not about that. Mm-hmm. And they had some extra lumber left over from that service project that mm-hmm. they did. And so he took his kids out there and they built another set of bunks. And so they just threw it up on Facebook mm-hmm. and said, hey, you know, does somebody need a bed? And from that started dominoing and snowballing. Mm. So my friend Jordan, it, it became a 
some other high school buddies of Luke's, they got together, you know, around the holidays mm-hmm. and, and did that. Built a few more, you know, five the next year, ten the next, or whatever. So just these conversations with my friend Jordan mm-hmm. happening um, and him telling me about that. And then he and his wife, Heather, uh, launched a chapter in Boise, mm-hmm. and which was kind of natural progression. And so about that time that they were doing that in Boise, we were moving here. Mm-hmm. And so we had contributed monetarily a couple of times. They had worked with the Red Cross in northern Idaho, and, and I don't know if it was a, a fire that displaced a family, or I can't, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we purchased some mattresses okay. to go to north Idaho with, with the beds, and, and I'm like, I want to get involved. I kind of want to get involved. And about the time I started thinking I want to get involved, there were some other chapters of Another one of Luke's friends in San Diego fired one up. A friend of theirs in Rexburg, a friend in Utah. And so I'm kind of watching this activity on Facebook and, you know, still very much um, in touch with Heather and Jordan from the Boise chapter. Mm-hmm. We've, we've remained great friends. And I'm like, Jordan, I, th- I think I want to do that here. I was, it was four years after we got here. Mm-hmm. I finally decided, all right. I'm, I'm in a place where I think that I can do this and do it well. So just started talking to them, and they're like, yeah. And, you know, there's a need. There's a need in every town, so there's got to be a need here, right? right? And sure enough, you know, there is. There's a huge need. So that's mm-hmm. how we became involved. And, and sleep in heavenly peace, you're building bunk beds, beds yes. for kids who otherwise may not have... A bed. Correct. Correct. Um, These are children without beds that are sleeping on floors, couches, mm-hmm. pallets. I had I had one dad reach out and said, "My kids sleep on pallets." Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know if the elevation off the floor right, might right. make a difference, you know, a little bit, but you know, really uncomfortable um, situations, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. these these kids are, are kind of suffering, you know, because of it, and it's not. You know, we don't know the situations that these parents have been in. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've delivered, you know, beds to grandparents that are suddenly taking their mm-hmm. grandkids in, and you know they're on fixed incomes. Right. And you know, we've got four grandkids that you know the parents are in some kind of trouble and can't take right. care of the kids themselves, and so the grandparents are really stepping up. But wow, they aren't equipped to have no, four kids sleeping heaven, and staying all day and all night at their no, place. No, so. exactly. And, yeah. you know, they're on fixed incomes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've helped families coming out of homelessness, uh, which is really, you know, that's, oh, that's, that's really cool, cool too. Yeah. You know, they're, they're getting, you know, set up, they're the on the right track, yeah. get the feet under them, but they have, you know, they've come out of homelessness. They have nothing right. going into, and they're, they're getting a house and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, making the moves in the right direction. So, a lot of different circumstances. So, in the time that you said you donated, a, you know, contributed a few mattresses to, to a family in northern Idaho or whatever, is that kind of when the bug hit you, or what? I mean, tell little, me about that. A little bit. Mm-hmm. The first of all, when when Jordan and I were having these conversations, I found it fascinating that that there was an issue mm-hmm. to begin with. I, again, I just something we take for granted. You know, my husband tells everyone, you know, that his family grew up welfare poor, but they always had beds, mm-hmm. you know, and so how is this, you know, how is this happening? Right. Um, how is this an issue? And is it really an issue? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was fun to kind of enlighten him, too, that there is. Mm. Uh, 
and an issue and something just so simple. A set of bunks, you know, can be five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of money that's for a lot of, money. A, yeah. lot of pe- a lot of people. Yeah. And um, you know, you just don't know their circumstances and and how that's ended up. But it's about about the kids. Yeah. And you know, there's so many studies that attribute you know good night's sleep to you know childhood productivity. Mm. You know, they do better in school. Just better overall. A, a sense of ownership in mm. this bed that we that we provide to these kids that this yeah. is your bed mm. you know some of these kids have never had a pillow and these beds they come equipped with a mattress bed sheets a quilt a blanket of some sort mm-hmm. pillow pillowcases yes. so it's yes. a fully it's equipped and fully set up ready and, to, to go and, and new and, and ready to go and what you mentioned there about a good night's sleep and that affecting children's education and overall well-being mm-hmm. that's a piece that had never crossed my mind until just then yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean the really if you're looking long term like big picture 20 mm-hmm. year picture mm-hmm. even longer than that right. but how that child not necessarily the grades they get in school right. but how they learn and get mm-hmm. their education really will affect them down the line absolutely and if i'm not sleeping well if i'm not getting the rest i need i am not going to learn i'm not going to be able to focus on anything i'm going to be a cranky kid and people are not going to be want to be around me and help me absolutely but if i'm getting rested up somebody's going to say hey that kid he he or she may be coming from a difficult situation Mm -hmm. but i can see that they really want this and so i'm willing to get out there and help them Mm -hmm. even more indeed so that's a really cool thing that it's just a connection that's happening in my brain right now. It's fun because I could see that going yeah. on. I, it was fun. <laughs> Super cool. So mm-hmm. um, t- tell me one situation when you've taken, maybe the most memorable situation where you've taken a bed into somebody's place and it's just affected you deeply and um, maybe affected them really deeply. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I want to say I always go back to our very first delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to this family, and I think we set up four beds. But we got there, and all the kids met us at the door. And they were, you know, chanting, I guess, our beds are here, our beds are here. Mm. And I think that moment, this experience, I think, rivaled Christmas for these kids. Mm. It was just really great. And all of them, you know, wanted to help, you know, bring the stuff in. We had, I think, a little I don't know, three or four year old and you know we're giving him slats two at yeah. a time to take in because he, he wanted to help and mm. you know the excitement it, it's so fun the kids are so excited and to try and kind of keep them contained while we do actually get the beds <laughs> set the up yeah. <laughs> you know can be a challenge um, but we've learned to kind of help the, those uh, excited mm-hmm. kids some of them we do help you know we'll mm-hmm. help them hand over hand the drills and, and stuff as we're uh, setting them up but mm-hmm. a lot of them too I'll take and have them you know come help me with your bedding um, the mattresses that we use uh, come shrink wrapped, right. and so the popping of the plastic to un- unfold that, you know, is kind of fun for them. Mm-hmm. You know, here, put your pillowcase on your pillow. You know, help me with this and and that. And uh, we find that a lot of kids are ready for naps when we leave. Yeah. yeah. So I think the parents kind of enjoy that a little bit. <laughs> That's so cool. And I've been on, I think, two um, right. set up delivery trips with you guys. Yeah, and, you've uh, been with us. 
I re- one the one that I remember the most was one where this kid, this this boy, he was definitely a very intelligent kid, mm-hmm. but was very spat. I mean, just all over the yeah. place, high energy, over the top high energy. Right. And and I remember as as, as we took in the the mattresses, I remember going, "This kid's gonna love this. I'm gonna yeah. open this up in the mattress and go boom." Right. And that kid was just floor when right. the mattress exploded and you know just opened up like mm-hmm. that and, and how you said you know handing slats to a little three-year-old boy and you mentioned earlier you're giving them some ownership mm-hmm. over this thing definitely that's powerful indeed indeed this is your bed and where they haven't had one you mm-hmm. know in the past or it may have you know maybe they had one for a little while and they haven't for a little while you know this this is yours mm-hmm. uh, we, we brought this for you yeah. And, and it's empowering for these kids. Right. Um, gives them back, maybe establishes some dignity mm. in their lives, too. Yeah. So what? Look, let's look down the road 50 years from now. You've got kids, grandkids, and maybe great-grandkids gathered around talking about Grandma Jan. <laughs> um, and maybe you're there with them, hanging out with them, you know? I don't know, 50 years, probably not. That's a not. long time, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> my great-grandma lived to 101. There's a little bit of longevity on my on my dad's right. side of the family. My so maybe. was 90-something. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> what, what are some things that you would like them to remember you by? Uh, you know, I feel um, that's an awkward question for, mm-hmm. for me to answer because I feel like I'm touting my own horn and I don't I don't know that it's like that I mean it feels mm-hmm. it feels awkward to to say um, I would like to them to remember me as kind doing everything that I, I can to you know make the best life for my daughter um, because you know she she doesn't get to her life experiences are limited I guess and you know it's very important for me to just make sure that she's she's happy you know that she has the happiest life she can and that she's you know taken care of as best we can i you know want them to know that and and that maybe i didn't make the best choices you know when it came to giving things up because of her maybe that wasn't the best thing maybe that that wasn't the best thing for my other kids but my heart was in the right place I want my kids to know, and, and I think they do, but how much they mean to me, uh, because they are, my family is just the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. And spending time with them is so very precious that when we do you know, get together, I'm not sure that they know how much it means to me when we when all of us are together, and it just it's just the happiest time for me hmm. when everybody's together, and you know we can you know play games and have dinner and talk about all the craziness you know in our family, which which there is you know <laughs> uh, we've we've got a lot of layers and facets you know amongst the kids, mm-hmm. and it just that how much you know love for them that I have and, and it's unconditional and you know and I, I think they do think I'm you know a good person for the most part um, as, as they're growing into adults you know you're over mm-hmm. that the teenage you know mom you suck right yeah, yeah. so we're, we're moving past that a little bit and that's yeah. that's a joy and and that I cared 
you know, I, I do care about others and, and their well-being, and I think my involvement in, in Sleep in Heavenly Peace, because it was so unique. It's, it's such a unique facet of, you know, helping others. It wasn't an easy undertaking. It's not like you go and take food or serve at the pantry, mm-hmm. you know, or the, at the food bank, you know, once a month or, or whatever. You know, it's kind of ongoing. It's an ongoing commitment, and but it's something I'm very proud that we do. And, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, a lot. Um, it's, it's hard to tell these families, we're out of money right now. As soon as we can raise you know, another $5,000 and we'll have another build and then we can get to your bed or maybe you're two builds away. Right. You know, that's difficult, but I think I got off track there. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, think, I think this is making, it, it's mm-hmm. coming around there. I mean, this, these are things that you want your grandkids, great grandkids to know I do. about you. And I think. I do, yeah. yeah. And the, and the yeah. kind, I mean, I think what you mentioned first is kindness. And I think all these things that you're talking about totally build on that. Is there anything else on that? I, that you want I to just that that being a part of Sleep in Heavenly Peace is definitely something very, very, very special. I, I just think it's something very special um, that we do. And uh, I, I've taken my kids on deliveries. They, mm-hmm. you know, come with me, and, and that's been really great, a great experience, you know, for them to be a part of and kind yeah. of, you know, maybe see. Wow, your your sucky life last week. You know that you ran out of internet or whatever. You know wasn't so bad, was it? You know? but yeah. Anyway, but and and you know when Callie, when my grandbaby's old enough, you know I want to share you know these experiences with her too, and that and any you know any other grandkids that kind of come along and maybe you know inspire them to serve others in a selfless way. As you look back at your life, what is your proudest moment? What is the obstacle that you overcame that you are most proud of? Uh, toot your horn. Toot your I horn. Don't, toot my horn. I don't. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just. I, I. One of my kiddos has struggled with addiction, mm-hmm. and he uh, is a recovering heroin addict. Mm. And. You know, going through that with him, I mean, I found out, you know, when, when he was a little farther into it than, than I would have cared for it. But being with him through all of that and kind of being his rock, and he tells me, Mom, I couldn't have done it without you. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just a persistent pain in the ass with this and with you. And I got lucky that something... I did or said connected with him mm. to make him want to turn his life around. You know, he did the work, but I have I've, I've been his solid through all of that, and that means a lot to me. Mm. Not that you know, like I said, I, I tell him all the time, "You did the work. You you did this." You know, and you know, there's still some things that he struggles with, and but you know, we. Having a relationship, you know, with him, an open and honest relationship, and to have this with all of my kids, actually, on you know, and some other things too, mm-hmm. but them not being afraid to, you know, once once he got over the initial, once you know, we finally you know caught him, you mm-hmm. know, got you know all of that, uh, him being able to get over the initial shame of it and mm-hmm. share you know, with me, and I begged him to let me help you as much as I, as I can, what do you need from me, I'll be there, that, and, and that, you know, that he's live, you know, he, he overdosed once on my watch, 
And that was really devastating um, to get that phone call. <laughs> but uh, to have just, you know, been here um, for him and just the love that, that I think he has for me um, means a lot. And, and it sounds like what you mentioned there, you know, the other kids see that you had his back mm-hmm. at that time. So they're mm-hmm. much more open and honest with mm-hmm. you. Hey, Mom, I'm struggling with whatever it right. is. Right, right. Yeah. I know I can trust you with, with mm-hmm. what I'm going through here. Yeah. That's a huge it, thing. It has. It's how, how long has he been clean? Um, let's see. He <laughs> overdosed in 2011. Mm. And in February 2011. Mm. And it probably took, gosh, another year to slap yeah, him out of it. Yeah. Um, so I want to say probably since 2012. He's been mm-hmm. on a solid, a solid road to recovery. So we moved here in 2013, and mm-hmm. I don't think, yeah, so 2012. That's, um, yeah. there we go. really Sorry. cool. Piece together yeah. the years. No worries, no worries. <laughs> um, I think it's awesome on your part. I think it's awesome on his part. One day at a time, keep going. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, and, you know, and there's been a relapse in there, just mm-hmm. but a very short-lived one, a thousand dollar one month bender, and, and he was, I'm, I'm so proud of him, you know, for this, he was horribly humiliated to tell me that that had happened but I'm like look you know the relapse rate is huge Mm -hmm. in in that instance and you did it I mean okay I I think I was happy that maybe we got it over with sooner than later and that he was I don't know responsible enough or you know just that he pulled his head out, you know, and went, whoa, I don't want to go back down this road. Mm-hmm. It was so hard coming out of that. I don't want to do it again. And so that was okay. Yeah. Um, so here, there's, there's a moment you're most proud of yourself. What is the next, or maybe what is something that you are working on right now, uh, the next obstacle in your path that your goal is, hey, I need to get past this? Probably working with my youngest kiddo right now. Um, he's going through some stuff and not being right there. I, I would I would like to have him for another year, <laughs> you know, um, to yeah. kind of help him navigate. And, and maybe he doesn't need my help. Maybe I just think he does. Uh, yeah. So that's that's a struggle in being so far away from him yeah. right now. You're definitely me. a great mom you are looking at I mean almost everything we've talked about has to do with your kids which is fantastic I worry about them so much you know and and, but there comes a time where you have to step back and let them Mm -hmm. let them evolve into the next you know the next step the next phase in their life but um, yeah that kiddo I'm sure he's going to be fine (laughs) I I worry too much so that's probably my next I wish I could be closer to him on a day-to-day basis to kind of be able to I mean you can FaceTime and you can mm-hmm. phone call and but you know to just kind of you know experience kind of the, the rhythm of, mm-hmm. of where they're at and you know check in and get a really good pulse on it I, right. I feel like I'm too far away right now mm. and it's driving me bonkers driving but, crazy yeah no I, I can understand that now let's go back again 50 years into the future what are some words of wisdom that you want to share with those kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. Things maybe you've experienced that you want to pass on and say, hey, I made this mistake. Don't you do it. Or here's what I've learned. I know one one phrase around our house. um, 
since the beginning uh, since the beginning of my time with children, I guess is you know um, don't do stupid things, you know, and uh, they'd probably laugh if if they heard that, but that's kind of my catchline: don't do stupid things. But you know, I, we all have to 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 do some stupid things in order to figure out what works and what doesn't work, right. and, um, and and I think doing some of those stupid things helps us evolve and molds us into who. Mm. who we're going to be, but I think we continue to probably make those mistakes and that we just evolve, mm-hmm. you know, um, like my one son's, you know, drug right. mis- mistake that was, it's, it helped him, you know, evolve into, you know, knowing what kind of life he wants and what mm-hmm. he doesn't want and that, and, you know, knowing I can't do it just once. Yeah. I can't. I tried that. It lasted mm-hmm. for a month. Cost me a lot of money. That was stupid. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, you have to have to do it to see. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think it's been good actually for my other kids to kind of you know watch that process with him too, to know uh, it's really serious, mm-hmm. and, and to know it doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. You know, drugs don't. Uh, you you think not me, and right. boy, it's it's you. Um, it can happen to you, and so to never just to my kids and grandkids, you know, don't ever assume that it can't be you because, and, and not even in relation to to that only. Right. I mean, there's so many other things. So many know? other things that right. can and do become addictions that, mm-hmm. or just unhealthy things right. that I, I um, can't make the assumption that you know I would never. Oh yeah. Go that far with it. Right. Right. Wow. Yep. It, it can happen it in an instance. You know, own up. Own up to your mistakes. Mm. You know, if you, if you do, own up to it. Mm. Figure it out. Get past it. And don't, don't do it again. Yeah, don't do stupid things. Yeah. Own up to it when you do. Mm-hmm. And don't do it again. Huh? Right, right. Yeah, that sounds pretty simple, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> as, as easy as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Very good. Well, anything, anything else that you feel like you want to share that maybe we haven't touched on a story or, or an experience? Can't really, you know, think of. Can't okay. think of anything. Well, Jan, this has been really fun for me. I, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. I, I hope it's too. been meaningful for you. No, it has. It has. You yeah. made me think about a few things that, um, you know, are interesting that I probably wouldn't have thought about my future, my my fifty years, yeah. Know, future self and, and that and what I want to share with those kiddos. I wish I was a, a better journaler. You know, kind of keep keep tags mm. like that for my life experiences to pass on to my kids but uh, well, you can start today. <laughs> I can start yeah, yeah exactly yeah definitely yeah, well very good but I awesome. appreciate it well there you have it that was a enjoyable meaningful conversation with Jan Spackman um, if you feel motivated if you felt touched to donate you can do that to any cause that is near and dear to your heart but I would encourage you to go check out Sleep in Heavenly Peace and see if that's a cause that you feel like you could donate money, goods, or time to, time and labor. That's something that is really important in addition to the money, of course, to Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Now you can go check out, if there's a chapter that's local to where you're at, go to SHP, like Sleep in Heavenly Peace, shpbeds.org. And you can find out if there's a chapter near you. And if you want to start your own chapter, if there's nothing near you, go check it out. They'll walk you through the whole process and get that going. You can donate. You can volunteer. 
You can request a bed if that's something that you and your family happens to have a need for. If you've got a child and you just don't have the means to uh, put them in a bed, you can request a bed if there's a chapter in your town. Go check it out. I really highly encourage you to get involved in something. If not sleep in heavenly peace, get involved in something else. As one of the first um, long-form conversation guests, Dick Erb, said, do something. Um, we all have time to do things that are most important to us. If there's something that's important to us that is beneficial to our community, I highly recommend getting involved to the extent that you can. Don't overbear, don't overburden yourself, but get involved to the extent you can. It will make a huge difference in your life, make our lives that much more meaningful as we get involved in something that's a little bit bigger than our own little world that we live in. So this episode and this segment of the In Their Own Words is one that was given to me by Jan Oliver. It is of her grandmother that she mentioned as being one of the most influential people in her life. And this is Rima Oliver Combs. And uh, this is In Her Own Words. I was born May 1st, 1921 in Ogden, Utah, the third of 11 children, 10 daughters and one son. Our parents were Carson Gilbert and Nellie Louisa Florence Kidd. When I was four and one-half years old, I fell on the stairs and bruised my shin bone, which turned into a bone infection. December of 1925, Dad took me by train to Salt Lake City, Utah, to the primary children's hospital, where they operated on my leg. I'll never forget Dad leaving me there, scared and alone. I think I cried all night. I spent the next 18 months at the hospital, having four operations, my tonsils out, the mumps, and scarlet fever. Grandma Florence was so good to me. She rode the streetcar from Ogden to Salt Lake City every week. The last operation I had was a long and serious one. My grandmother was with me and noticed I was turning blue, so she called the nurse. The nurse took the foot of the bed, raised it up, and slid the table under it and called for help. They worked with me for some time, and then I went to sleep. The next morning, I was sitting on the bed singing a primary song, I Have Two Little Hands. The nurse could hardly believe her eyes and said she thought it must be an angel. I went home and started first grade in a two-room schoolhouse with all eight grades. We rode the school bus about three miles. We had to walk through the field to catch the bus, and many times Bill Dino would carry me. Our parents milked a few cows had some chickens, and took the cream and eggs to Rupert for sale. We girls learned to weed, pick potatoes, stack grain, and wash clothes on a washboard in a hand-operated washing machine. Soon the Depression came along. They could not make payments on the farm and lost it in 1932. Dad and Mom found a farm in Declo. It wasn't much, but with only a $100 down payment and a, shop, a share of the crop, we moved into this house with four rooms no electricity or running water, a path to the outhouse, and bedbugs. I was dating a boy who did not own a car, so Delbert Oliver would drive him to pick me up for a date, and then Delbert started coming by himself. One night, he came to see me. We didn't have phones then, so our dates just showed up. I was out milking cows, dressed in my milk duds, which were splattered with milk, and I suppose a little cow spatter. There was Delbert in his dress clothes, with his shining car, which he always kept polished. I wonder why he fell in love with me. 
We were married in 1939. I was 18, he was 24. We rented a 40-acre farm adjoining the Oliver Place in View, Idaho. Our New Year's baby, Gary, was born January 1, 1940. Farm prices were so low, we moved to Oakland, California to build floating dry docks so ships could be repaired at sea. Sam was born February 1, 1942, and now the U.S. was at war and the city blacked out. When the sirens blew, I took my two little boys to bed where we read stories and learned nursery rhymes. Farmers took priority again, so we moved back to Idaho to farm. By May 8, 1947, uh, Carol and Cheryl were born in Twin Falls, Idaho. Delbert made a trip in the middle of the night to tell the grandparents in View and Declo. We w- he went to work the next morning. We had a good crop on our rented farm in Hazleton, which enabled us to buy a run-down ranch in Florence, Montana, in 1949. We liked the country, but you should have seen that place. I about died. We loved our three years building up this ranch, but Delbert became ill, and we had to move back to Idaho, where he passed away November 6, 1952. Delbert's brother Darwin found a corner grocery store with an apartment attached in Burley, Idaho, Darwin said, Rima, you can do it. So I started my grocery business. A friend of mine had met the perfect man for me, even though I was not looking. He had come to fix their furnace. He was from Twin Falls and had two sons. He came into the store to see me. We were married September 4, 1955. We were cramped for space, so built on a large living room, remodeled the kitchen, and built two bedrooms in the basement. It wasn't long until we made a trip to California where we found a complete metal shop for sale. I called a banker friend who gave me the go-ahead to buy it all. We built a shop building next to the store and so began Combs Sheet Metal. Doran knew his business, worked hard at it, and became prosperous. I kept the store for another seven years. In 1963, we bought a home in Hayburn by the river and I leased the store. I worked in the Hayburn schools as a lunch cook for ten years until Doran retired and turned the shop over to his sons. Doran passed away March 31st, 1999, and I passed away September 28th, 2017. This was, in their own words, a story about Rima Oliver Combs. Super cool, and I'm grateful to Jan for being willing to share this with me and with you. Mm-hmm.